1: So, hello and welcome back to another episode of Decode Your Burnout. I'm Dr. Sharon Grossman, and I am so excited to be joined today by Janine Litford. So, thank you for being here, Janine.
2: It's an honor to be here. (laughs)
1: Um, And, you know, I, I always love to start the show just by hearing a little bit about, you know, who you are today. And then we'll go back in time and hear little bit about that burnout story that has brought you here to this show, and then we can take it from there. How does that sound? Sure.
2: Great, great. Well, I am Janine Ledford, the founder and creator of a term called intercultural creativity. It's the intersection of cultural competence, which is your ability to interact with people with different lived experiences, different cultural backgrounds, and just, you know, Different lives and also creative thinking. So, not necessarily artistic thinking, but uh, the po- process of coming up with something new, things with new relevance, uh, value, things along those lines. So, looking at the intersection of how they both affect our lived experience and our brain. And that's what I'm doing today.
1: Very cool. So, uh, this is what you're doing now. What were you doing mm-hmm. earlier that led you to burnout? so
2: i was a educator classroom teacher k5 <laughs> so completely there and you know especially now it, i've taught for 15 years i actually left the classroom in 2019 six months before the pandemic hit oh, and so wow. you know it it's a whole other type of you know experience right now dealing with the pandemic and dealing with the normal, issues that educators have to deal with, especially with such young children where they're in that child development stage. So Mm -hmm. I I, um, yeah, taught for 15 years, loved it, really got creative with how how I I taught and just grew and then started speaking and doing curriculum as well.
1: Okay. And so uh, during your 15 years, at what point did you start feeling burned out?
2: I love to work. I I wouldn't maybe call myself a workaholic, but I love I feel alive when I'm producing. You know, if you look up my name the way it's spelled, it says one who produces. So I'm like, that makes sense, right? And sometimes when for me I, you know, I have a wait, wait, tell spine. us about the
1: name huh? thing. So we're, we're all clear.
2: Oh. Oh, uh, but Janine is G-E-N-E-I-N, the way that I spell it. So I just looked it up because I'm very big on etymology. And when I meet people, I look up the meaning of their names and, huh? and where, where they came from. And so I just looked up my name and it said to produce. It said G-E-N and then dash I-N and it said to, per produce. And so that just spoke to me. I was like, ah, oh, that makes so much sense. Cause I'm always like, what can I produce? What, what can I, I create?
1: Wow! And,
2: and so but sometimes you can take that too far and you forget to stop and breathe. And sometimes that has ha- happened to me. So my my husband, who I've been married to for about 12, 13 years now, uh, he instituted some something along the lines of a Sabbath. He didn't re- re- really call it a Sabbath, but like he said, you know, Saturday, I'm not working at all because he works from home and he's uh, self-employed. And so it's very easy to work seven days a week, 24 hours a day when you're working for for yourself. And so I just really, past two, three years, um, started instituting a Sabbath type of um, stopping and resting. And so, yeah, when things got really busy, when I was pregnant, I was trying to write my first book that was published in 2019. And I remember sitting there Say, like, oh, you know, I have some time off, you know, but no one tells you when you're forming a human inside of your body that your brain kind of shuts down. Like, I didn't get that met- memo. So I'm like, <laughs> how do I write? How do I write this book? And you know, I can't think. And I almost thought I, I was borderline depression almost, but um, it wasn't. It was just that my body was telling me that I had to to stop. You know, especially when when you're producing another human, your body does talk to you in interesting ways. And so I had to stop working you know, per, per se, and not just my main job, but my, my side things and then the book and just I just love to I'm like an octopus, I just love to have my hands in different things. And that's not always the best thing if things aren't balanced correctly.
1: So just help us understand the timeline mm-hmm. on this. So when were you pregnant and trying to write your book? Was it before 2019? While you were still an educator?
2: Yes, I was I, I was pregnant in 2016, 17, no, 17. He was born in 2018. And then the book was published in 2019. But the book took me like three years to write
1: mm-hmm. uh,
2: this past one that was just published last month that took me a, a a year. But this one because I had to to stop and I didn't know. And I almost felt that I wasn't producing or worthy but just because I wasn't working on, on on it. But so that's when that that happened. So I started the book in 2016. I became pregnant in 2017, had him in 2018, and then the book was published in 2019.
1: Okay. So you're you're an educator, you're doing this on the side.
2: Yes, yes. So I have a full-time job and <laughs> at the same time.
1: And not just any job. You're Working with kids, you're you're a teacher, mm-hmm. right? And Thank we already you. know that in that industry, like burnout is super high.
2: It it is it is, and and I was a part time lecturer professor at the local university as well, teaching night night classes as well, and on the board of Donors Choose, which is a national nonprofit that helps teachers get classroom materials into their classes. So, I I was doing a lot. Yeah but I never looked at it like I was doing a a lot. And that's why instituting a concept of like the Sabbath or stopping um, week for me, a weekly basis. It really changed my view of how I produce.
1: Yeah. Okay. So we'll come back to that, but I just want to like really understand this whole burnout experience that you had. So Here you are. And it's almost like you forget how much you were doing, right? Because you keep like, oh, yeah, and I did this other thing. So you Mm -hmm. are working full time with kids. Then you're also pregnant, writing this book on the side, you're teaching night classes, you're on this nonprofit. Anything else going on?
2: You know, Prof. Um, I've served on leadership at, at, at my my church. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, he would ask ask me to to do a, a talk every once in a not 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 a lot, maybe like twi- twice a year. And yeah, it's just you know, but not maybe because I I saw my my mom doing that. My mother was a single parent mom of four children. I, I'm I'm a twin, so you know, to raise oh. twins is 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 a, a feat within itself. And. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Like I keep saying, sometimes I, I don't feel like I'm alive unless I'm doing a lot of stuff. And so it was shifting that mindset.
1: Okay. So yeah. Speaking of which, I'm hearing a couple of different things. I want to kind of plunge into those. So you've got, obviously, your personality is somebody who's a doer. You like to do a lot of things. But from a programming perspective, um, I'm hearing a couple of things. One is that you said you feel like You're not worthy when you're not producing. So where does that come from?
2: Hmm, I'm not, not sure. I know growing up, I grew up and still have a speech impediment. So I was very shy and quiet growing up and had speech therapy for, for years and dealt with speech, couldn't speak in class for the longest time. And so maybe me producing through my actions was a way of me communicating because I could not communicate fluently through speech. And so that could be it. I never really thought about that till now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of interesting, isn't it? it,
2: Yes, it is. And then, you know, in high school, I ran track. And so I finally felt I was looking for my place to be in the world. And once I found that, I was I was. I was finally good at something and being a twin could help that because you're always compared and my twin was like one speech debates and the poetry contest and here I couldn't even say my name fluently and she's winning speech debates she's brilliant lover we have a great relationship but still that can be an identity issue you know and so maybe me producing was a way to communicate my value because I could not do it through speech and I didn't really find my place I wasn't you know, super duper smart per se, how we test kids, you know, my twin tested for gifted. I I did not and things like that. So maybe this could have been one way that I recuperate or brought that area up.
1: Yeah. So this is really interesting. So you start off life where it's really hard for you to not only be equal to the person you look like, right
2: well we're fraternal twins but so the person i was born with.
1: okay well like yeah your sister who's same age and then to um like you said to, to even say your name right you felt it sounds like um a little embarrassed about how you sounded and so you were working on the pronunciations and then um in the meantime she's excelling she's in the gifted and all this kind of stuff and so you're trying to find your place in the world And so you're saying that by doing things rather than speaking, you end up finding like some value, contribution, like some way that you can feel worthy. And it sounds like that kind of stayed even long after the fact you corrected your speech. And I thought how ironic now that you're a speaker You're doing all these talks for everybody, you know, your church, for your community. I know you also uh, do some public speaking. So it's really interesting, right? Like how you started and where you are today. Um, And then the other thing you mentioned, which I wanted to ask about is the role modeling, So you said mom was a single parent, you saw her doing all the things. And so what was the message that you took away from that?
2: If it needs to get done, it needs to get done, right? You know, you do it. If it needs to get done, you you do it. And that's the way I can see that coming into fruition and manifesting itself now, because, you know, I'm building this business, this business that I, I left my job. You know, my husband, like I said before, is self, self-employed. self So as an educator, you know, I carry the the regular income. I carry the health insurance, all, exactly. all the insurances. I, I carry a lot of that responsibility. But now if I leave and we both become self-employed, you know, that, that shifts. So we have to figure that out. And so I was raised with a figure it out. I call it um the MacGyver mindset. My mother had a very MacGyver mindset. Like even if you have a paper clip and a gum wrap wrapper and a piece of tape, you can build, you know, something to to help your situation out. And so the good part is yeah, very creative, but I would say some of the elements that I had is it's difficult, it w- was difficult for me to ask for help and it was difficult for me to de- delegate. And that's really kind of the transition I'm in now as my business is growing. People are really understanding the importance of cultural competence and creative thinking together since creativity is now the number one skill needed in the workforce. Now that I can't do everything, how do I delegate? It's, It's easier said than done.
1: Right, right. And it's so interesting that you said how given your circumstances and just your mom's circumstances as well how this whole idea came into fruition of like having that MacGyver MacGyver mindset where now you've been forced to kind of think creatively and now it's actually become part of your business. Right? Yes.
2: Yes. Very, very true. And, And a core part, you know, my whole essence is creative thinking and reviving the creativity within adults because you know, it's so important now. We, we we need to get this back. So what does this look look like? And creative thinking is very it's very taxing met metabolically metabolically on the brain. You know, it's easy for me to just wrote and put screws into a you know, screw screwdriver and do that for six hours a day. But to think creatively to produce, you know, classes or books or, or a blog, that that's very taxing on the brain. So 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 there, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I love how that kind of came full circle for you, but um, help us understand. So, y- you know, you've been doing the same sort of work in the same sort of way for a very long time, 15 years, you said, um, and you are that kind of person, as you called it, like an octopus who's got your hand in a million things. So what happened? What kind of was the straw that broke the camel's back that all of a sudden, you like really just burned out? Was it the pregnancy? Was it taking on the writing of the book? Like, what happened? Or was it just the accumulation of things over time?
2: I think it was the perfect storm, you know, like uh, just or yeah, that straw. I'm trying to think of a metaphor. I'm, I'm a very metaphorical thinker, but yeah. So, with the pregnancy, And the book. And I actually went to a company to finish publishing the book because I was just like, this is not going to get done if I don't get help. And so I paid money, you know, to people to, um, I finished the manuscript, but as far as, you know, getting it, um, getting a copy edited and and getting it up up on Amazon, all that stuff, I would have had to figure out myself. And I was like, I don't have the brain power to do this. I have to make this investment of money that we don't have, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, during that 2019 year, and I'm so glad I did because you know um, now I have have the book and it it was an investment, but uh, you know faith came through with with the fine finance, and I think that was it yeah the the twenty eight eighteen and then handling being a new mom it's just i I didn't know how valuable sleep was
1: <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> and just you know, part of my work talked about the, in, the integration, right? The integrated creative brain and the, in, the integrated life of what that looks like. And I didn't know all of these elements were so tied to one another. So my, my sleeping, my, my eating, me producing a human inside of my body, me not just having my full-time job, but these three other outside projects, I just, I didn't see how they were so much integrated within my whole concept of my well-being.
1: So tell us um, a little bit about what it felt like. And at what point did you start realizing this is burnout?
2: When I couldn't process ideas like I normally do. So I know how I normally function. And so when I was out of that normal frequency, I was like, okay, something's going on and it kind of, you know, either you need to stop voluntarily or life will force you to stop. (laughs) And I felt like I was almost forced to, I just remember, like, I see the picture right now of me just sitting on the couch, not even be able to, uh, to, to really move and, and just saying, okay, I have to switch some, some things up and pull some things back and put some things on the, the back burner until my load got a little, a little bit light, light, lightened. and really just take some time for myself, you know, and, and my husband yeah. even sent me away, um, for two days <laughs> to the desert <laughs> and that was great as well. Um it was just things like that that i just couldn't just you know recharge and re reground
1: so was it more while you were pregnant or as you became a mom that you started to notice it's hard to process cuz you know we talk about like pregnancy brain
0: and mm-hmm, so I'm just curious, mm-hmm.
1: like, how do you differentiate between like what women typically experience when they're pregnant mm-hmm. versus like more burnout where mm-hmm. you're not able to process because you're just fried?
2: Right. Um, this was after the baby was born. So, cause I remember I, I went on this mini forced re- retreat um, when, when he was born or about a year or so af- after. So I think it was around then the, the first issue I had was when I was pregnant. I just remember that, that scene. Because even during my pregnancy, I was good up and go. Like I worked to the end of my pre- pregnancy about about a week week or two before he, he came. And um, yeah, I, I believe it was about a, a year and a half after he was born, I realized that I just had, had to just take, take a moment and breathe and stop. And then I went on that many, mini- forced retreat and that was good. And then I just came back and I decided to really lay out things that were important, right. And, and things that could wait. And that was really me taking my power back and my time back time, huge um, concept of just the importance of time and who owns your time. And, and, Who are you letting steal your time? And things along those lines, I came up to that realization. And even now, as I'm building my my business with a three-year-old, it's coming to the point where people are really starting to love this idea. And speaking gigs are a lot online, but some are coming back in person. And so it's now even thinking, okay, how do I judge what's worth me getting on a plane and leaving my family for versus, versus staying in front of the computer versus not even taking a gig versus passing some of my gigs to some other speakers that I, that I work with. And before last year, you know, when you're starting a business, you're just building, you're just like taking any opportunity. I just, I just have to get the word out there. Right. But now it's gaining some steam that I actually have this type of freedom and choice to make these type of, decisions and so that's where you're 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 catching me now i'm kind of glad we're having this conversation to make sure i don't burn out again right and i'm and i'm ahead of the game this time
1: (laughs) so uh the main thing that you noticed when you were burned out is just that it was hard to process information yes yes was there anything else like did you feel exhausted oh
2: yes of course yeah that that was an, an a norm um sometimes sleeping was interrupted um of course, ha- having a, a young a young child um, that that helps as well. Yeah, you just don't feel like I'm very much um, emotionally connected, and, and it's a part of my, my work too. I, I teach about emotional intelligence and self awareness, so I I consider myself very self aware. And so when my body's trying to communicate with me, I do listen. And so it was that communication. So it just wasn't just the the disruption of my my mental fac- faculties, but it was also that communication of my spiritual and physical messages being sent into me of, Hey, you know, red flag, because your body will talk to you if you choose to listen.
1: Absolutely. So I love that you mentioned that. And, and so you, you grew up with this idea that you have to just get things done. And then you have this husband who has a very different kind of idea, which is, you know, you work, but then you give yourself a day off, right? Right. And when you started to implement that for yourself, this idea of the Sabbath, um, did you feel at all like resistant to the idea? Was there any sort of guilt about taking time off for yourself? Or was it like, yes, finally I have permission to do it?
2: No, it's a, it was a journey. It was a journey that you're just now catching me into full. Now I'm so excited for Friday nights. You know, I'm so excited to just um, lay everything down. And But when I first started, um, you know, because you're, 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 if your mind's in a r- routine, you have to, take time to get it out of that that belief system. So even though I'm not physically working, my brain is still thinking about, about work, right? And so what does yes. it mean to truly, truly take take a, a Sabbath, right? And so I had to learn to be in the moment. I had to give myself boundaries and restrictions. Maybe if I'm going to walk with my son, I leave my phone at home. Sometimes I take it with me just for emergencies because when you're with a toddler, you know, it's good to have a cell phone, but maybe I turn turn it off, you know? So I had to start being more intentional about how I was protecting, not just me not working during that time, but protecting my mental and relational time as well. Mm -hmm. And just being real with myself. Yeah. You say you're on a, you're taking a Sabbath, but you're checking your email, you know, and your kid's trying to look at and he will, he said, mom, look at me, look at me. Children know children know when you're not paying attention, you're physically there, but you're not mentally or emotionally there. They're, they're pretty astute with, with that.
1: Okay. So if somebody's listening to this and they are totally identifying with your story and they're like, you know what? I'm also a doer. I'm that octopus type. I feel like I have my hands in everything. I got a million balls rolling. Right. Um, we, so far we've heard one strategy that's really been helpful, which is setting boundaries. And a very specific example of that was the Sabbath where you absolutely take that day off. And, um, Once your brain kind of recalibrated to that idea, then it was able to, from what I can gather, just turn work off mentally even, because you know, like, that's just my sacred day to be with my son, be with my family, do some fun things for me. Um, What other strategies would you recommend for people who are listening to this?
2: Sure. Well, this one's tied to, to my work, but it's for your your downtime. It's the power of, of nature, the regenerative power of nature. I'm. Uh, we've been. You know, I, I was raised camping. My mother did take us camping. She's an amazing mother. Mother and a. I, I say that I'm like the writer of intercultural creativity, but she's the founder of it because she created a home of intercultural cre- creativity. But she made sure to have the arts right. So we all had to choose an instrument in the fourth grade, and my trumpet became my voice before I can actually fluently my voice. So, that was key. So, music was very therapeutic and relaxing and just a way to express myself, a way for me to not need to use words to think about ideas in a new way. And nature and seeing the creative power of nature, the metaphorical messages and wisdom within nature. And then I I wrote in my book, which I I can send send you one, um, The Seven Gems of Intercultural Creativity. I talk about how my husband and I lived in the same place for about six or seven years before Sean was born. But when he was born, and started walking and I would do my same walks. It would be like I was on a whole new walk because Sean saw whole new things. Mm -hmm. And so for me taking that time off and really just resetting and then being in the moment with him really exploded my own creativity because I got to see a true creative genius at work, which, you know, children are true creative geniuses because they don't have the filtration and the limits that a lot of adults have because of culture systems and uh, prior experiences. So that was, was huge of being in nature and then being in my, my art, my artistic I- expression helped.
1: When you say your artistic expression, you mean like the music? Music, singing, move, movement. We do a lot of movement.
2: Um, in my house, just like brushing your teeth, we get up and dance randomly. Um, the body is an instrument of thought. The body um, is an embodied part of the mind. And so to not move is to not you know, fully capitalize on your thinking ability. So, mm-hmm. you'll see my son; he just moves, and I want it to be a normal thing for him. So, to uh, to be able just to move and to have ry- rhythm. So, that's what we uh, do.
1: And so, I'm I'm really curious. You've obviously transformed how you are in the workplace right now. You are not only teaching this intercultural creativity, but you're living it. You used to be the kind of person who does a million things and then kind of burned out in the process. And now you've got a little bit more balance. Um, what are you hoping to share with your son? Because as we talked about, like there is that programming that gets passed on, like you got from your mom and like he's getting from you. So what are you hoping for him as he grows up in your household? What's the message?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, because I'm very much aware of generational concepts that do get passed on, especially with my background. I, I am, if anyone's listening, I am of Af- African-American descent and geniuses of my people from the African continent, And then all the historical issues that we, we know about from the 1600s on on this land and the belief systems that were infiltrated into the um, uh, that African pe- uh, people of of this land, it gets passed on, right? And so, in that, in there, then you can have a whole other podcast about that. About um, I think it's called neural genetics, or or some something where the DNA holds on to some of the the trauma, yes, and 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 the mind, the the mindset, and the belief system. So I believe I am positioned to kind of break that, and even though I'm on my own journey. So basically I do believe in creativity. I do believe in producing your best while you're, you're here. Um, but at the same time, the, the newness of, of part of my creative journey is to stop, is to breathe, is to meditate or do nothing for a while. It's okay to, you know, um, Winnie the Pooh says, um, they say nothing is impossible, but I do nothing every day. <laughs> you know. <laughs> That always makes me laugh, but, um, but but it's okay to have a day of doing nothing and and not feel guilty about it and feel like you're, you're not grinding and and hustling. And so it's changing that mindset. So for my son, you know, we, we do have the goal of producing a book every year, even him, he he rewrote his first book with me. Of course, you know, when I say by he wrote, meaning he did all the creative stuff of just living life and I'm just the one writing it down, but, I know the standards. I, I'm an educator. I know he has to write. He has to write stories, you know, second grade standard, third grade standard. Why not just, you know, publish them and put them up for 99 cents? You know, I don't care if just your grandmother buys it. It's there because I want him to understand the importance of not just producing, but sharing your gift with the world. But at the same time, I, wonder, I want him to understand the importance of stopping and resting and connecting with nature and watching a snail for 10 minutes. Hey, if you find joy in watching snail for 10 minutes then that's what you do you know um and that's so important but we are the generational shift it's, it's my my line that is saying we are creative we are here we are able to contribute um our our people are great everyone is is great we get to look at everyone and see the diamond gifts within all and intercultural we can connect with people with different lived experience and come together and create together. That's what I want his generation to understand.
1: I just love that message and how you're involving him. And also like, yes, everything you said, but also like you're teaching him entrepreneurship in some ways, (laughs) you know? So I love that. And for people listening, I hope that this has been inspirational. Uh, And Janine, tell us for people who want to maybe connect with you, how they can find you and what you can help them with.
2: Sure. Well, intercultural creativity is my thing. I'm the only one I have the trademark. So um, <laughs> so if you look that up, you'll see me. I am at Janine Letford.com, G-E-N-E-I-N, Letford.com. And also Cafe Strategies is the company name, C-A-F-F-E Strategies. And my son and I, like I said, have a book called I Am Creative. And it's just a book about the 16 Diamond Tools of Creative Thinking. I show you what it looks like in a kid just living life. And then at the end of the book, I talk to parents and teachers and caregivers about what's actually going on. And then my book that was just published is the seven gems of intercultural creativity, how to connect, create, and innovate across cultural lines. And it just goes through the seven gems, which is um, mindset, empathy, observation, curiosity, perspective, shifting, adaptation, and connecting across cultures and why this will be I believe intercultural creativity will be what emotional intelligence was 20 years ago. Remember, like, no one really knew that word and no one, but now everyone's talking about it. I believe um, intercultural creativity is, is that, but not, it won't take 20 years to come to the forefront. Hopefully it just took a year or two. <laughs> And people will understand that when you increase your cultural competence, your ability to connect with people with different lived experience, you're also increasing your creative thinking, which, again, is now the number one skill needed in the workforce per the World Economic Forum. So that's what I do. So reach out. I'm on LinkedIn, very active on LinkedIn. And Sean even has his own LinkedIn page if you want to get some information about how not to accidentally squash the creativity of your kids.
1: Amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And we'll have all of those links in the show notes. and. It was so great just to hear your version of the story and all the things that have been working for you. This has definitely been a very creative journey. So thanks for sharing that with us.
2: Thanks. This was very therapeutic. So I appreciate it. (laughs) All right. A win-win.
1: All right, Jenny, take care.